Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Paula. Hello, Dean. How are you? I'm doing great. You have notes. I do have notes. Why do you have notes? I've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's get started. Before we get started, can I just thank you for hanging a baby swing for Sweet Ann? You're very welcome, but I have to brag on my handyman friend, Steve, who really did all the work, and I was just a helper. Well, Ellie loves it. She sure seemed like it. (laughs) She was just a chuckling. Yep. We are so blessed. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt because you have notes today. That's unusual. So I wanted to talk about our trip to Louisville yesterday. We did make a trip to Louisville. It's beautiful weather now. And I've been itching to get out on the bike. A lot of people have been out on their bikes already, but I've been riding inside and I really wanted to get outside. So I got the bike off the trainer, anxious to go for a ride, and I had technical issues. The brakes on my Cervelo TT bike, which is what I ride most of the time, were not working correctly. So trying to focus on safety. Just put that bike back on the trainer, scheduled an appointment in Louisville to get the brakes worked on. So that's what we did yesterday. It doesn't take much for us to get excited. It was a date to the bike shop. Yes, it was. (laughs) But we thought there was going to be more going on in Louisville. I did a Google search for things to do in Louisville this weekend, and I was excited to hear that Thunder Over Louisville was going to be in Louisville, which normally is boat racing, an air show, and fireworks. So we thought the downtown area where the Louisville Ironman typically is, which an area we're very familiar with. Was. Was. (laughs) We thought it was going to be packed, but we drove down that way and it was just like any other Saturday. Obviously the schedule changed and we just didn't get the message. It worked out great for us, though, because what we really wanted to do was scope out the Derby Marathon course a little bit. We did. So we got to do that without fighting any traffic. Yeah, yeah. So the Derby course is quite unusual this year. It's mostly on a green belt so that it can run throughout the day without really having to worry about traffic. And then the half marathon is being run over three days, four days. But we didn't really get to see a whole lot of it because since we weren't staying for the fireworks and there wasn't a boat show and an air show going on, we decided to come back home and work on our coaching business. Our athletes needed us. (laughs) They did. Yes. They do. Yes, they do. (laughs) So when we got home, after attending to our athletes and starting the planning for the upcoming week. I got the bike out. It was pretty nice. I was expecting it to be a little warmer than it was, but it was six o'clock at night. I felt like I needed to hustle just a little bit because I 
I wasn't sure what time the sun was going to go down, but I felt like I needed to be conservative because I haven't been out on the bike outside in a while and even indoors. I've been trying to take it pretty easy. But while I was out on the road all by myself, all by myself. <laughs> with empty farming fields on both sides, a truck comes up beside of me on this narrow, flat country road. And I'm a little startled thinking, okay, it's a teenager who's messing with me. And here I am on my bike all by myself. (laughs) I'm not singing it again. (laughs) So I slow down thinking the truck will go on by. And the driver is an adult man and he rolls down his window. He's a farmer. He said, hey, I just wanted to warn you. There's a big tractor coming up behind you that's taking up the entire road, and I just didn't want it to sneak up on you and startle you. I said, well, thank you. How fast is it going? He said, well, it's going 30 miles an hour. I said, well, that's faster than I'm going. I don't know. You had a tailwind, right? I did have a tailwind, and I wasn't monitoring my speed because it was supposed to be an easy ride. So the truck pulls on ahead of me with its lights flashing, and I glance over my shoulder, and I don't see a tractor and I, I look a second time, and I see something way back in the distance. And I think, okay, I really don't want that tractor catching up to me. So now you're racing a tractor? So Your I'll, easy ride became racing I'll, a tractor? Although my <laughs> intentions were to ride easy, it was really fun putting the metal to the pedal. The metal to the pedal. <laughs> the, pedal to the, <laughs> the pedal to the metal. It was really fun. <laughs> Laying down in the arrow and cranking out some power with the wind just <laughs> whipping around me. And I looked back every once in a while. That tractor wasn't catching me. I don't think I was going 30 miles an hour, but I don't think the tractor was either. <laughs> but within a mile or so, the truck pulled off into a field, and I presume the tractor was going to do the same. And the moral of the story, <laughs> you're stumped. The moral of the story is... I don't know what the moral of the story is. It's a good story. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I went out for an easy ride. <laughs> and you raced a tractor. And I was itching to go a little harder, and I had a good excuse to go just a little harder. That way, when your coach looks at your data later, you won't get fussed at for hammering it on an easy day. Well, if you look at my data, it doesn't look like I hammered too hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. And I, I beat the sun going down. And the tractor. And the tractor. All right. So on that note, are we ready for today's podcast topic? I think we should. Let's move on. All right. Well, I'm pretty excited. Today we're going to interview Jamie Atkins because she is from our hometown and she qualified for and ran in the Olympic trials. And, you know, that just doesn't happen every day in our small hometown. So we're pretty excited to talk with her and have her share with us that experience. Yeah, the Olympic trials in the marathon. Yeah, that's an amazing accomplishment. And I look forward to hearing her story. All right, great. Let's bring on Jamie. Welcome, Jamie. We're so glad to have you on the podcast. I first heard of you from a friend of mine, Blake Main. I don't, do you know Blake? I do, yeah. I was following him one year when he was running the Monumental Marathon, which we've done a few times ourselves. And afterwards, he told me that 
he was running with you for a while until he just couldn't keep up with you anymore. Because that was the first time I heard you. Yeah, he was, I met him training for my first marathon. I ran with that group that does the like Sunday morning long runs. He was the one that was like, oh, you should come out and run. And now I miss all those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the Legion Park group is what we called ourselves. Yes. Yep, I, yep. I have been super active in that group since 2011 when I shifted more to triathlon. So I don't know if you and I have ever actually met or ran together. But I don't know. I mean, it's possible that you might have been there on a run. I was there, but that was, oh, it's been a while. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So we've got a long list of questions that we think will help us better understand your story. And we think our listeners will find it fascinating. So we'll jump in with the okay. questions. Yeah. So okay. Mind, Jamie, if you want to just tell us a little bit about your childhood. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, I was definitely very active, <laughs> always playing a lot of sports. My dad was a big hockey player. My mom was pretty into running and I knew she really wanted me to get into running. And so I, I think it was in preschool, you know, I would do the little like cross country races with my sister and, and they would like give you a ribbon. And then I got like pretty into soccer. My mom was like, oh, you should get back into running again. But you know, as you get older, it gets like, you have to like train. And so I didn't get a ribbon in my, in a race. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. So I kind of like went like full into into soccer for a long time. So it was, it was a while before I kind of like circled back into running. <laughs> so obviously soccer and running, were there other favorite sports? I did play a decent amount of softball, but once I got to high school, you know, it gets pretty competitive and you kind of had to choose. So I really got super into soccer. And then I think it was maybe like my sophomore year they needed some cross-country runners and so I was like sure yeah I like to run you know <laughs> so I ran a few cross-country meets and then my senior year I was like not gonna miss out on senior soccer so I just did that in uh, my last year of high school and then I thought like I didn't do any of like the soccer recruiting kind of stuff. I was just like, I just want to do like all the other kinds of things that people do like rock climbing and cycling and triathlons and like all that kind of stuff. And, but then I kind of missed the training, you know, I've just been doing sports for so long. So I decided to walk on to the cross country team at USI. And then that's kind of where I just like got on this running journey, I guess. <laughs> Now, what year did you graduate from Davis County? Uh, 2012. Okay. Yeah. So Paula and I are uh, 1985 graduates of Davis County High School. <laughs> so it is yeah, time. yeah, definitely. So when did you become a runner? Um, I don't know. Like when I would say that I kind of identified as a runner, probably like, probably not till high school or I mean, sorry, college that you know, it just became like a seven day a week kind of thing. And a part of me who I couldn't taking a day off feels weird, you know? So I think probably sometime into my college running career, I kind of realized like, oh, this, I, I am a runner. Yeah. <laughs> so you must've had some idea that you were talented in order to walk on at USI. I know USI has a very strong cross country program with coach Mike Hillard. Yeah, yeah. So 
I don't know. I, I was a, maybe like a fair runner in high school and it's something kind of I liked doing. I really just loved being outside and USI toured their campus and they had that like the bike trail and then the trails through the woods. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to school here because they had the program that I wanted. Of course, that was important. You know, the school part, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But starting out on, on the cross country team, I was definitely like back of the pack. I was nowhere near the front. I was just like struggling to hang on with, you know, I'd never run mileage like that before or workouts like that before. And so I definitely had a lot, a lot to learn about competitive running and like being in races with people that are just like super talented. I feel like my first year was like, oh, I'm just kind of enjoying this and like figuring it out. But then definitely by the like last two years of college, it was like, oh, I could be competitive. I could be in that front group. I could go to track nationals. And so kind of having that, I don't know, that pressure of like, oh, well, I have a year to see if I can do these things. And so, yeah, I kind of just like developed that through, through those years at USI. So can you think of a moment or any particular aha that flipped that switch to where you thought, oh, I don't have to be the back of pack? You know, it was definitely like a long journey. I had a a lot of a lot of great teammates. And I think I just kind of was like, I'm just gonna try to hook myself on to some of these people and just like try to hang on the best that I can. And I kind of had in the back of my head really wanting to go to track nationals. And then they have these big, you know, races that only a couple people get to go to in um, like California. And I wanted to go, I wanted to be part of that group so bad. I had never been to California before. I really wanted to race in these races. And so I, I remember working really hard, like maybe I can make that cut to be one of those people that would get to go to one of those big meets. It kind of happened I wasn't, I wasn't fast enough to do the 5k at one of those meets, but um, Hilliard was like, you know, you worked really hard. I really want to honor that. I'll throw you in a 10k. And it was always kind of like a joke. I never did 10k workouts. I was like a 1500 5k kind of person. And so I was like, okay, like, I just want to go to California. If I have to run a 10k, I'll be there. Like, (laughs) and then yeah, ended up running really fast in the 10k and realized that like, oh, actually, maybe I could be a 1500 runner and a run in a 10k some of those longer distances. So yeah, it was somewhere in the those last year or two um, that I just really really decided like, I'm just going to try to put my mind to this and maybe I can do it. And so, yeah, it kind of just turned out that way. So during those college years, did you have a preference? Did you enjoy track more than cross country or equally? I was definitely cross country. I love the trails and just kind of like the courses and the atmosphere. And I was also like, school was like really a heavy load. And so track meets were like really hard because that was every single weekend. And then you would be there all day. And so I'm like taking my anatomy book and like only one like studying just like the whole time. And so that was really rough. So cross country was like a little easier in the sense it was like usually every other weekend and not like the full, you know, day that you're out there, it would be in the morning and then you could um, still like study and stuff. But yeah, I definitely loved cross country and it wasn't until, and it was hard too. Cause like, 
it's hard to be competitive in track because only a couple people, you know, get to go to nationals, whereas, you know, your team, you get to go to nationals with your team in cross country. So once I realized that I could run really fast on the track and run these really fast times and be competitive, that's when I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe track is kind of fun, but yeah, definitely always been cross country kind of person. So what did you accomplish in college that you look back and think, I'm most proud of this in college? Athletically, I would say getting to run the 10K at nationals was the hardest, biggest accomplishment that I definitely never thought possible my freshman year, probably even my sophomore year. So that was that's something that I look back on and definitely think was worth all the time and the effort and the energy. <laughs> so you mentioned that you played soccer in high school. Paul and I used to coach high school cross country at a rival to Davis County. And we had an athlete who was very good at soccer and was able to do both soccer and cross country. That seems like a a pretty good transition because of all the running that soccer players do. Yeah, absolutely. I have another friend from college. She played four years of soccer at USI and her name is Julia Cohan. And then she was getting a master's. Hilliard always saw her on the bike path and recruited her to come run for us. And so she did her fifth year of other sport eligibility running for us and was our number one runner. And now she was in the top 10 of the marathon trials. And then now she's like running in Flagstaff, like professionally and stuff. So yeah, definitely that like soccer cross country has some kind of overlap, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're in... Colorado. I think you said Denver. Yep. Mm-hmm. So did you move to Colorado for training or was it professional reasons? Yeah. So honestly, I moved to Colorado for the outdoors. I was kind of, so after college, I kind of got into a little bit of like sub elite racing. A lot of the series that were in like Louisville wanted to run a marathon and kind of check that box. Um, and so I was like, I want to get into climbing and cycling and maybe mountain biking and all the other things there are to do outside too. Um, So I was actually kind of trying to get out of competitive running. And also I applied for a job here and got a job. And so I was kind of just excited about all the, the outdoor opportunities here. So you mentioned wanting to do a lot of different sports. Have you tried triathlon? Yeah, so I did a sprint when I was still back in Kentucky, and then I guess it was two summers ago, did a half Ironman, and thinking about an Ironman, but the <laughs> but the amount of training that goes into that, I'm like, I like to do so many other things too. I'm not sure I'm willing to make that commitment yet, but we'll see. Yeah, it is a big commitment, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned wanting to check the marathon off your bucket list. So when did you decide to do that? So let's see, that was, I guess it was probably the year or so after. Oh, well, at first I wanted to do a half marathon. So I did the Urban Bourbon in Louisville and that was awesome. I loved that. Then I was like, okay, I can run 13 miles. I honestly wasn't sure I could run 26 miles. And so I was running with that Legion Park group, I was like thinking about running a marathon and I was talking about the Indy Monumental and 
you know, they kept asking me like, have you signed up for that race yet? Have you signed up for that race yet? And I was like, well, I'm just like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure I could run 26 miles. Like, I want to see if I can run 20 first. And so I was kind of like just working out the, the long runs to, to that race. The start line of my first marathon, I was like, what am I doing here? This is not even running. This is totally different. Like you eat during your race. Like what even is this? You know, like I'm not doing a warm up. I've never even run 26 miles before, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tried to talk Paula into doing a warm up before her marathon, which she did a marathon this past Saturday. But uh, no, she didn't need a warm up. She, she was ready to go. Yeah, no. you know the first no, like, miles are a great warm up. Exactly. That's exactly my thought. Yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm, wor- I have 20, 20 miles warm up at least. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were running with the Legion Park Group and considering signing up for Monumental. Were you self-coached or were you still working with a coach? Yeah, so I haven't had a coach since college. Just kind of, yeah, I definitely had no idea what I was doing. Like I had never even taken a gel before. I'm like very anti like eating when running kind of thing. My stomach's kind of sensitive. And yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, I maybe did like a kind of workout and then would try to run some fast miles and then just like, worked up the mileage yeah definitely different kind of training for sure (laughs) well that's definitely one thing that a lot of the athletes that we coach struggle with is their nutrition did you land on and implement a nutrition plan in that first marathon well I'm not sure I would necessarily recommend what I did especially not my first marathon my I would always like when I ran a half marathon or races, I would just eat like a chocolate chip muffin. And so I was like, well, that worked for a half marathon. I'll just eat two chocolate chip muffins before a marathon as double the distance. And then I think I maybe ate like half a gel, maybe. So I definitely had no idea what I was doing. But when I moved out to Colorado, I made a lot of elite friends and they were very generous with their knowledge of nutrition and practicing and all of and even like how to hold it and like all of those kinds of things that I never even you know considered so yeah definitely there was a lot to learn in that area (laughs) so what would you say now works for you as far as nutrition in a marathon honestly I still just eat two chocolate chip muffins before the race it's worked pretty well and then I really like the the like cliff gels during the race I'll do like one that has caffeine and then one doesn't and kind of practiced on a lot of long runs kind of just like the timing of them and getting it just right Definitely my stomach does not do well with the sports drinks and things like that. I mean, I have a lot of friends that do like all kinds of different things, but I'm like, honestly, the gels in the water have worked really well for me. So I just have stuck with that. So do you base it on every so many minutes I'm going to take a gel or so many miles? How do you time that? I kind of did mileage wise to kind of space it out. And, you know, I had like all my like splits written out for miles and just kind of alternated the caffeine gels and um, just, you know, trying to take water along with the gels and kind of just taking them a little bit slowly based out, you know, just knowing like, okay, somewhere around mile, like six, seven around there, 
I'll take a gel when I feel comfortable and then, you know, kind of going through the race that way. Um, not like a set at this mile or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of going through it like that. Okay. So you had a coach at USI, Mike Hiller, but then when you graduated and you were moving more into your elite career, you've been self-coached. What, what do you think would be different with your training or your results if you had a coach now? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I do have a lot of friends, obviously, that have coaches. And then I have some friends that tried coaches and then are now self-coached. And I think for me, having Hilliard was a really great coach for me because he's very much lets you be as good as you want to be. You know, he's not going to like hold your hand on the treadmill workout, but he's going to give you the tools. And honestly, for, for me, I'm very self-motivated. So as long as I know what I need to do or want to do, then that's enough for me. Whereas I know a lot of, I have a lot of friends that are like very much kind of second guess, like, oh, I don't know, like my foot hurts today and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to take off this, you know, take, take the day off and bike. And then I'll just move my stuff around. And it might've helped a little bit too. I was a kinesiology major with a nutrition minor. And so having that background, I think helped a little bit with altering training and those kinds of things. But, you know, the idea of having a coach just because I've been doing things the way that I do that for so long, I think it might, it would take a lot to find somebody whose style kind of matched mine and not that that's not possible, but for me, I just kind of, I kind of like to do my own thing. I like to write out my own training plan and be able to alter it and do what I want. And maybe having a coach would have had a different result. It's definitely nice to have that extra support, but the time that it would take to find some, someone that's a good fit and all those things just haven't, haven't done. <laughs> well, you've been very successful without a coach. So congratulations <laughs> on that. Yes. So you ran the Indy Monumental. Was your second marathon the California International or was there something between those? Oh, I did Boston the same year as CIM. And that was really rough. <laughs> I got strep throat right before that race. But I mean, obviously, like my family was coming and I had already bought plane tickets and I was like, I'm running this race. <laughs> it was one of those marathons where I was happy to just cross the finish line. But, um, and yeah, then my next race was CIM. And then going into CIM, what were your goals and expectations? Well, obviously I wanted to run a qualifying time for the trials. I had no idea how that was going to go. I, my training was a lot, you know, I knew I had put a lot of work in, but how that translates going from elevation to sea level. Cause you know, I wasn't hitting any of these splits in workouts at like 6,000 feet. So to, to be like, well, I mean, I haven't even done this for 10 miles, but maybe I can do it for 26. I don't know. It's kind of, you know, you just don't know. And then I really don't like running in like heat and humidity. And so you just like never, you know, the marathon is just like such a gamble. You never know what the day is going to have or how you're going to be that day. So yeah, it was one of those things like that was the goal, but I was very unsure of where my fitness even was. So walk us through that race a little bit. And when you realized, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. You know, I don't think it was like a, I'm going to do this until I cross the finish line. I hear you. It was, 
Yeah, it was a crazy race. I mean, there was a huge group that was trying to qualify at that race. And so they had pacers and there's just this massive pack of girls that I was just hanging on to. And you could just hear the rhythm was like crazy of everyone running that same pace. And then, you know, obviously that group kind of started to, you know, some people were like, I've got this and see you later. And then, you know, some people were like, not my day, but I think the last six miles is always hard, but those last like three or so miles. And then honestly, I was just like terrified the last mile because I was like, what if I trip? What if I like, you know, all these things. And I'm like, don't think that because then you will, you know? (laughs) So, you know, just like, what if my legs just are done or what if, but you just, your legs just get like locked into that pace kind of, yeah, I don't think there was ever a moment where I, there was a moment of like, maybe I think I'm still on pace. Like, I think I can do this, but there was never a moment of like, I for sure got this until, you know, crossing the finish line. And then it was like, did I really like? (laughs) I'm always fascinated when I'm running a marathon afterward, thinking about all the thoughts and all the deals I was trying to not make in my head as I'm running. It's really crazy. Yeah. It's really, you know, like if you can get into that, like kind of flow state in a marathon, it's really great. Like, but when you're, when you're thinking, that's when it gets really hard. And so you just kind of have to like turn your brain off. And so I wrote out 26 little mantras. And so like each mile, like to have something to like, when your brain's like, my legs hurt and like, no, they don't, <laughs> you know, just to have something to like go back to, to shut your brain off. <laughs> so what would you say was your biggest takeaway from that race, maybe what you learned from it and you would do differently approaching your next marathon? I think I would definitely want to run at sea level before racing. Like I had gone to Denver and it's at the time I was living in the spring. So it's a little higher elevation and then Denver was a little lower. So I did go to run a um, half marathon that went like really terribly before the race. (laughs) Maybe it would be helpful, maybe not, but I think it is kind of nice to just like have that feeling of running at sea level and what shape are you even in there's not always time for that especially like working and stuff like that I know that Paula and I traveled to Colorado a few years ago I was on a business trip and she was retired so she tagged along and we did some exploring we went to Estes Park and Mm -hmm. drove up one of the many mountains yeah got out of the car at 11,000 feet and walked up some stairs and you know, experienced endurance athletes, and we were just gasping for air. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, even, yeah, even living at like five or 6,000 feet, if you go up, uh, my aunt lives in Woodland Park, and I'll go run up there. Sometimes it's at 8,000 feet, and even that little difference, I'm like, whew, I am like feeling it. <laughs> we could tell who were local to the area because they were going up and down the steps, and it didn't seem to phase them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What you were saying about doing some running at sea level, because that's where, where the race was going to be. That just reminds me of something that we've done in the past. When I did Ironman Texas, I went down a week early just to get acclimated to the heat. When we went to Hawaii for the, for the Ironman World Championship, we went a week early so we could practice swimming in the ocean because there is no ocean in Owensboro, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good point to uh, try to get familiar with the environment you're going to be racing in. And I took one for the team and went a week early with him 
to Hawaii. <laughs> oh man, rough training. <laughs> and she she did all the training. She she swam in the ocean. She rode on the the Queen K and ran the, some of the course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, what was your time? in your first marathon and, and what was your time in Boston, if you remember, and, and what was your time in the California International? Yeah, so Monumental, I was just at like three hours, and then Boston was just over three hours, and then CIM was just under 245. So you mentioned Boston being just a little bit over three hours. I know the, the first time I went to Boston, that course was an eye-opener. Did the first six miles of downhills have any impact on your race day? Yeah, I think I was just wildly unprepared for <laughs> on a lot of levels. I was I thought I was going to go out and run. I mean, yes, I, I was sick right before the race, but I thought I was going to go out and run a PR. Obviously, it was my I lived in Colorado. It was my first time living at elevation. But then I got there and it was like, storms that morning it was humid and I was like I don't feel fast or good at all and I think I definitely could have done a lot more like hill running you know I was like oh like Conwood Creek path that's like kind of hilly and then I got there and I was like oh this is hilly and hilly in a marathon is different you know so yeah my legs were definitely torn up after that race um so I yeah was massively underprepared for that race <laughs> it's a different course for sure so backing up yeah. a little bit, just for our listeners who don't know what time were you shooting for at CIM that would be good enough for the Olympic trials yeah so I was trying to run at 245 because that's the cutoff time and I came in like right under that <laughs> it was like 240 well the clock read like 244 like 59 or something like that that's all you needed you made it wow. <laughs> so after qualifying for the olympic trials did you change anything about your training or did you continue with what was working for you yeah so that was a little rough because i had run boston in the spring and then to go to and then i did that um half ironman in the summer so that was kind of like a break but then went into cim right after that or cim training right after that so i was really burnt out from the marathon. So that was hard to go from December to racing again in February. And I had a little bit of a foot injury that had started with CIM training, but then I was like, well, I don't want to take time off when I have this race coming up. And so my training for the trials was not at the level that I was training for CIM, just mentally was not in the same place and, you know, kind of battling a little bit of an injury at the time as well, but really just wanting to be able to race at the trial or run at the trials, you know? So just like trying to stay healthy enough for that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So did you approach it kind of as a celebration race? Yeah, it was, it was kind of like, but you know, a, a marathon celebration, it was a little bit of a lot of suffering. <laughs> um, but yeah, happy I did it. <laughs> So it seems like I recall watching that Olympic trial on television and it seemed like it was a hot day in Atlanta, which I think it's always hot in Atlanta, but that's a pretty hilly course, isn't it? 
Yeah, it was hilly as well. It was really cool starting out at being at a race. The beginning is always like super loud and it was super loud in your watch. Like you feel it, you can't hear it because so loud, but it vibrates and you're like, wow, it's already been a mile and it's still like so loud. And so that was really cool to have like so many people there watching the race, but it was windy and hilly was yeah, that, that part was, and it was hard because it was loops. And so there were a lot of people that would come back to loop with their family. And then they, you know, they, they, they might've been in the same kind of place I was in and they were like, okay, I'm done now. It's like been 16 miles or whatever. And so to see them like go with your fam, their family and you're like, I still have so far to run, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it was a cool experience. That's awesome. So what was it like lining up on the starting line with the fastest lady marathoners in the country. I mean, it was, it was like an honor to be out there with. So, I mean, everybody on that starting line was as fast or faster than me. So, I mean, it's crazy to be there with so many talented athletes. Um, it's just really cool. Among that field, is there a particular athlete that you kind of looked up to or was a role model for you? Yeah, definitely. I, I met a girl here when I was training in the Springs named Adrian, and she had run the trials before. And well, first I, I can't remember somebody told me about her. And I was like, at the time, you know, in, in Owensboro, I was running with all the guys in the morning. And even when I moved to Colorado, I had like a lot of guy training partners. I didn't have any like girlfriends that I would run with. And so I was like, oh, there's a really fast girl here. Like, and I can't remember somebody connected me with her. And I remember telling John, like, I'm going to run with this girl that she ran in the trials. And I'm like, she's so cool, you know? (laughs) And so she definitely, we did a lot of training runs together And I definitely looked up to her and she helped me a lot with like just all those little things for racing and all those little training tips and kind of things like that. So yeah, I definitely learned so much from her for sure. You mentioned being a little bit burned out over the Christmas holiday and then you had a foot injury. What were your goals or expectations going into the Olympic trials? Honestly, going into the trials, I really just wanted to finish the race. I mean, I wanted to be healthy enough to be on the line. There were a lot of people that had quick turnaround races too and started out and then maybe just dropped out. But I just wanted to be able to to say that I was able to finish like a marathon, Olympic trial marathon finisher and not just qualifier. So, (laughs) well, you did your hometown proud. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. How did your foot hold up? Um, you know, it's been a little bit of a battle. It was not great going into that race. And then after I was like going to take a bunch of time off and say so started, I mean, it was winter, but then it was kind of in Colorado starting to warm up and being bike season. So started biking a lot and then got into bike rack and had an open boxers fracture. And so that would put all the other things. And so then the only thing I could do was run. And so then I kind of just kept running on this injury <laughs> a little bit. So I finally have like taken a little bit of time off for, you know, it's been like a year now. And so it's, it's on its, on its way out. So being, being healthy again is nice. <laughs> so you're, you're still very, very young, especially in marathon world. You think you'll uh, try again? I don't know. All my friends are definitely talking about the next trials and aren't you going to train for it and stuff. And 
I'm not sure because when I'm training, it's very much a lifestyle complete switch and it makes it really, you know, at the time I was kind of just doing my, it was just me. And I said, I could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted, but now I'm engaged. And so there's a little bit of a balance. Um, Congratulations. Oh, thanks. (laughs) And so it's, it's a little bit tricky to, you know, before I was just, you know, my whole training plan was whatever I wanted it to be. And I could go to bed early and wake up early and get all the little pieces. And now it's a little bit, it's a little bit harder to live that structure and kind of deciding like, go back to that structure. So undecided. Yeah. Well, and especially being self-coached that creates even more of a time commitment as you put together all of the plan. Not only do you have to, you have to design it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you do when you're not training and racing? So lately I've been doing a lot of climbing. It's one of the things in Colorado that you can kind of do year round. And so a lot of that, I bought a mountain bike and so I kind of tried that out. I signed up for, there's a race, it's called a triple bypass and it goes over three mountain passes. It's like hundred and something miles. So that's in August. Is that a foot race? So, oh, it's a bike race. Sorry. Okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never know around here. Definitely could be. No. <laughs> yeah, so. Your climbing's not free solo type climbing, right? Oh, absolutely not. No, just sport climbing. Yeah, so. Okay, I was going to send, send your mom after you if you were trying to climb. Oh, no, 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 definitely, <laughs> definitely none of that. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> so you mentioned studying kinesiology. And then moving out to Colorado and you you got a job. Tell us about your job. Yeah. So my bachelor's degree was in kinesiology with a minor nutrition. And then I got a master's degree in occupational therapy. So that's what I do now. I'm an occupational therapist. I was working down in the Springs for a little bit, doing outpatient pediatrics, working with kiddos and doing that when I was training for the, you know, CIM and the trials and all that. And now I'm up in Denver and I work for the school system. And so I work in preschool programs, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. So when's the wedding? It's on the calendar for July 9th, 2022. So hoping the world is better (laughs) by then. We can hope. Yes. Yeah. It will be. It will be. Did you have a scripture you wanted to share? Um, sure. Yeah. I think a lot of my training, I kind of use scriptures as like mantras. And so Isaiah 41, 13, I believe it is the one it's like, for I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Just like, I don't know. I would kind of like squeeze my hand sometimes and it just kind of like would bring me back a little bit. Yeah. So that's one that's been helpful. Yes. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. You guys and talk to you guys. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. 
this helps others find us. Thanks for listening.